0: Hello, and welcome again to MatchCast. Today on the podcast, we have John Loomer, who is the author, entrepreneur, operator of johnloomer.com. A fantastic resource for Facebook ad, operations, strategy, insight, uh, as well as just a very good daily read on the life of an entrepreneur. John, welcome to the podcast. Really happy to be here. Awesome, man. So starting off today, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey into becoming a Facebook marketing
1: guru? Oh, man. It's a long story, but I'll try to shorten it up. Sure. The cliff notes will be great, man. (laughs) So essentially, I I did a lot of crap I hated for a long time. I worked in insurance for several years. And in the meantime, I did some stuff I liked, which was fantasy sports. And that hooked me up eventually to getting a dream gig of all gigs, uh, overseeing fantasy games for the NBA for three seasons. And while I was there, I was exposed to Facebook for the first time. And we partnered with Facebook to create an app before you could create your own apps. I was the first admin of a face, NBA Facebook group before there were pages. And so that was my initial exposure. In order to take that job, I had to move my family to New Jersey. So we did that for three years left. And it ended up being bad timing to leave any job. I ended up getting laid off twice in two and a half years. But getting laid off was the greatest thing that ever happened to me because then it's kind of forced to start something. And I didn't know, I didn't want to move the family again. I didn't want it. I I was really spoiled with that MBA job and worked at a really good American Cancer Society job after that. I I didn't want something I wasn't passionate about. I just started my website and started writing, didn't know what would become of it, didn't know how to start a business or anything and started promoting it, you know, with Facebook ads. And, you know, I was, again, comfortable with Facebook dating back to 2007. So I'm nine plus years at this point. And, sure. you know, I started writing about what I knew and started writing about Facebook and eventually got traction pretty quickly writing about Facebook marketing and then slowly morphed into focusing only on Facebook ads and then advanced Facebook ads stuff. And it's been a crazy ride. But, you know, you asked me five, 10 years ago, would I be this Facebook ads guy? I can't know. But it's, and have my own business. I mean, it's, I'd never think that that would be possible. So it's, it's pretty crazy that the journey led me here. Well, uh, I think you mentioned a lot to it, the
0: journey and the process and the changes on Facebook during that process. And it, it really always amazes me looking back. I, I only got into Facebook basically a year early because I had an alumni.edu email address. Mm. And I remember logging in for the first time. Uh, previous business I was at. They became a Facebook partner because they saw pages. And when they said saw pages for the first time, they told someone at Facebook, this is going to be more important than a company website. And they immediately then invited them to become one of the first outside developers to have access to the API. So it's been pretty amazing. Uh, and obviously the Facebook platform changes on a daily basis. You know, what are some of the things you're excited about that have changed recently? And what's your process for discovering these changes that are coming
1: uh, almost on a daily basis now? Oh, It's, it's pretty awesome. I mean... First of all, my process is just making sure I've I, I have a feedly, you know, that's kinda of old school, I guess, where I just follow all the latest blog posts and it's it's, it's TechCrunch, it's social times, but it's also all the official Facebook blogs like Facebook for Business and Facebook Media and Facebook Code and so if anything's happened, it's gonna go there. Another source that's been really helpful for me is is my private community because there are a lot of people in there who are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars who have a really deep relationship with Facebook and ad reps and stuff like that so regardless of whether I'm getting any inside info personally which sometimes I do there's I'm going to get info from somebody so it's really very rare that I'm not one of you know first groups of people to know about something because of all those types of connections happening but right now I mean I'm just so excited about I mean anything that leads to better targeting so Like the latest thing with um, the website custom audiences being able to target people by frequency and by time on site and and by amount of money they've spent and things like that, as opposed to before where I've loved website custom audiences before, but there was a weakness in that not all website visitors are created equal. So, So you have one website visitor who bounced after two seconds and they're not even remember being on your site compared to someone who's been there 20 times over the last 30 days I want that person who's been there 20 times. So that's changed my targeting. It's changed my cost and success rate. I'm also kind of, you know, my my net's not quite as wide as it used to be. There's less waste involved that way as well. So that's been pretty awesome. Like everything is video related, even though I'm still kind of like, man, I I, I hate being on video, but like- Well, good thing we're on audio today. (laughs) But uh, like the live video stuff, the engagement on Facebook, custom audiences, that are both video and now um, lead ads, but it's called engagement on Facebook, so you've got to think it's going to lead to canvas engagement, custom audiences. It could be simple things like comments, likes, shares, create custom audiences out of that, just speculating. But pretty awesome. There's there's a lot to be excited about right now. You just wrote a blog post talking about some of the weaknesses with uh, interest targeting. Uh, Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I see interest targeting as being 2002 or 2012 kind of targeting, you know. Kind of feels like a boost post at this point. Yeah, I mean, look, Facebook's powerful. And I get it that it's like, wow, people have, Facebook has all this data on people. So you can can target people really precisely based on the things that they like and that they do. And yeah, you can kind of get carried away looking at that thinking how powerful that is. But I think people really lose sight of the fact, well, what's going to be better targeting? Targeting someone because Facebook says they like certain things or because they've interacted with you in some way. They've been on your website. They've done X, Y, and Z on your site. They've opted in for something from you. You know, all these different things. So uh, I've seen a lot of even big advertisers who have good website traffic ignoring all those good targeting methods and focusing on interest. And it's funny because Facebook is really transparent about this because you can go in and look at your ad targeting preferences and see yep. how um, other advertisers can target you. I can't even remember how many I had. And there are like 700, 800 different preferences originally. But understand, I, again, I've been on Facebook since 2007. So a lot of these preferences, it's kind of like a blast from the past that I'm sure I've been updated my profile in years. So like TV shows that I, I watched long ago, movies and stuff that I you know I, I haven't seen in forever. Um, that. If you target me on these things now, it's kind of ridiculous. Like, you're wasting your time. But not only that, it's just some completely random things. Like, you can target me on the interest grass. I I don't know why. I guess because I've I've talked about mowing my lawn before. But it's kind of random stuff like that. So I, I went through and cleaned it up. But I'd say half of the interests in there were somewhat relevant. There's some gray in there or there's probably another third that you can make an argument for. But then there was that other group that was just like grass. It's like, dude, you're wasting your money trying to target me. And like Lisa Simpson was an interest for some reason. I found actually a bunch of old clients in mine. Oh, yeah.
0: And I was like, oh, well, they're not paying me anymore. And they're now paying money to reach me. They yeah. don't need to be
1: doing this. Right, right. So it's fascinating. And you know, okay. I can actually help Facebook and advertisers by cleaning that up. And I did. And you can actually add some interest there if you want. But the truth is that 99.9% of users aren't going to clean that up. And that leads to a lot of bad targeting. Sure. In general, like, look, if you're looking at top of the funnel stuff, you don't have any website visitors yet or very few. You have a very small audience on Facebook and you don't have a big email list. You got to start somewhere. It doesn't mean selling to interest. It means, okay, we'll take this big group of some relevant, not so relevant people and send them into a funnel and like give them something to engage with, like this article. If this article is something that they like, that separates them from everybody else, or if this video, whatever, send them into a new audience. So, okay, I'm not going to keep wasting my time with this interest, but these people have engaged with me and I'll focus on them going forward. Breaking that out a little bit further, how do you feel about the demographic data and how
0: it differs a little bit from interest data?
1: I mean, which specific demographic data are you talking about? Uh, typically, typically, I like to look at buying behavior. Yeah, so basically, yeah, so behavior data. To me, it's the same t- type of thing as with interest because, my, in my experience at least, when I target people based on buying behavior, because this, this is essentially the stuff that is the… Partner categories, yeah. it's the data mining stuff, the third party axiom. Third, yeah, third party axiom, data logics, Epsilon. That's sent to Facebook and kind of creeps people out more than anything. It's like, how do they know how much money I make and that I have this kind of car and this all that stuff. It sounds awesome, and again, when it came out, it was like it blew everybody's mind that you could do it. I think that in general, the results that I've seen and I've heard other people have isn't all that impressive, especially when you know you, you compare it to targeting people who, who are connected to you. And I think that the I question sometimes the, the accuracy of that data. But uh, in particular, I've heard when people target based on salaries, that they end up, end up getting a lot of response that they're not expecting. Interesting. That doesn't reflect that. But, you know, again, when you were talking top of the funnel and you're looking for somewhere to start, going with buy- buying behavior is, is a good place to start. Sure. Facebook doesn't have that information on everybody, because so a lot of times, like if you use uh, Audience Insights, you can break down all these by these audiences, and you can see it'll usually show you that like okay, of this audience in the U.S. or whatever, it's like forty percent of the audience we they have this data match for salaries or house they own or whatever. So I mean, it is kind of incomplete as well, but uh, like like interest, like look like audiences. It's a place to start. And I won't say don't use it. I just, I'll just say make your goal to be not having to use that in six months or a year because you have this. Yeah, you're moving down the funnel. Moving down the funnel.
0: Um, you know, one of the things that actually I have not had a lot of success with has been the uh, audience networks so far. What's been your impression?
1: That's funny because I, <laughs> I was on an interview, I think, just yesterday, and we talked to this. Sorry, if you hear my dog, my, my apologies. My dog is crazy. What's the dog's name? Rosita. Oh, hi, Rosita. Yeah, she she barks at everybody. She welcome to her. the pod. Exactly. Um, it's funny because yeah, we just talked about this. I think it was yesterday, and I have personally not had great success with Audience Network, and I think it's clear why so far, because for the most part, you know, up until recently, Audience Network has primarily been within partner mobile apps. And Trivia Crack is an example of where my ads have been, and I've even seen my ads, and it's kind of crazy when I see them. But the experience when using Trivia Crack, anyone who's played that game, is you're you know, using it, using it tap, tapping your thumbs, and all of a sudden this ad pops up unexpectedly, and you click it. So even if you're targeting well, like I didn't want to see that, uh, click on that ad at this moment. And so y- there's a lot of accidental clicks. So what I, what I have seen is I get really good cost per website click on Audience Network, but they're low quality clicks. Again, not necessarily meaning it was, it was being shown to the wrong people. Feels like a lot of accidental clicks. I to think me. it's a lot of accidental. And I'm really careful though to make it clear that that's just my experience. I've seen some reports, you know, usually coming from Facebook, but that not only the click rate is good overall, but there's good conversion rate. Again, I'm not seeing that. Now, That does, to me, none of that really matters because of the future of Audience Network. So I think we know why, again, I may have seen low quality clicks, but a big part of Facebook recently and going forward will be instant articles. And how people monetize instant articles will, will largely be with Audience Network. You can use your own ads as well, but Audience Network will be in there as, as well. And in that case, it will be a much better experience. It won't be an ad that pops up out of nowhere, that you're not expecting. And I think those will work similarly to how a typical ad will work on Facebook. But not only that, but the you can monetize mobile mobile websites as well, which I don't think many are, are doing this yet. I tried to do it months ago just to experiment with it. I can never get it to work. But that's the future, though. This is going to be on on websites, too. It, look, long term, I see audience network being Facebook's strategy. It's going to be their big ad network to the point where potentially, and I'll be careful of this, but potentially, it could dwarf the advertising revenue they get from Facebook itself because the internet at large is enormous. And um, we talk about the internet, you talk about mobile apps, and all of a sudden, you've got if Facebook becomes the ad network of choice over Google, lots of opportunities there. So, um, not to mention you're going to be able to start. We can start targeting people now who don't even have a Facebook account, right? Uh, through Audience Network. I guess for me, Audience Network is is about what has been and what can be, and I'm not all that excited about Audience Network and how it's been so far in those results. But I I think there's actually really good potential down the road for it. Talking about things loading within Facebook and instant articles, that immediately
0: brings to mind uh, Canvas ads and lead ads within Facebook. If you haven't taken John's Facebook quiz on his website, I highly recommend uh, everyone do it. That will uh, kind of grade you as your level of uh, Facebook ads guru. You talk a lot about lead ads in that quiz. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and assume that you're a big fan.
1: Yeah, yeah. So... And and lead ads is one of those things as well that I think that other advertisers have seen mixed results on. But it's a matter of using it the right way, I think, to get the optimal results. So anyone not familiar with lead ads and Canvas and Instant Articles, they all work in very similar ways in that the goal is to improve the user experience. So one of the problems has been you click on a. A link ad and it drives to a landing page and it takes on average eight seconds to load. People abandoning it, abandoning it. Um, not to mention that landing page or that blog post may not be mobile responsive. There might just there are lots of issues that can happen. It might especially. be two G network at the time. Absolutely, absolutely. So now what Facebook is doing is <laughs> marketers are are quick to like cry foul on this stuff because they think Facebook's only thinking of their own interests. You're keeping people on Facebook, not sending people to my website, and brands are fighting this, or some brands fight it. But the reality is, it's a better user experience to keep and people on Facebook. you can't fight Facebook. the beast. you got to go with it. But when you sit down and you think of it as a user, and if you've used Canvas, you've clicked on a Canvas ad, if you've clicked on an instant article, you've clicked on a lead ad as opposed to going to a landing page, it is incredibly... It almost feels magical. Yeah, it's magical. The difference between that and clicking on a link ad, it's not even close. I mean, as a user, you don't want to click on the link ad that takes forever to load. And it's, the Insta article is amazing. So and so anyway, lead ads, it makes it almost too easy. And actually, to a point, it can be too easy to collect a lead. Because what happens is instead of going to a landing page, it flips over a form immediately within Facebook. It's now on both mobile and desktop. It Pre-fills the information that the advertiser's asking for, if it can, from the profile. So it could be first name, last name, email address is pretty common. Pull from the profile. They can change it if they want, but otherwise, that's it. They just hit, you know, submit and boom, that you're added to that the list. But yeah, it could be just email address, just one thing. I mean, it really couldn't be any easier than that. But as we know, like even when we send people to a landing page, if you make something too easy the quality will be less. So compare it to a landing page, if you go to a landing page, like if all you ask for is an email address, as opposed to asking for first name, last name, email address, ask an open-ended question, something to qualify them. The one where you're asking all the questions, the conversion rates can be way less, but the quality, they, if someone goes through all those steps, the quality should be much, much better than someone who's just like, oh yeah, email address, here you go, send me my stuff. So the same thing is the case with lead ads. And I think even more important because they don't provide anything really. It's like it's pre-filled and just hit a button. They don't, they don't have to do any work. So yes, you get an, an amazing cost per lead. Um, but yes, the potential for having low quality leads is much higher. But there are ways to fix that. Yeah, you almost need to run that as the middle of your funnel. That's the first thing too. Yeah, I, I don't like doing anything like lead ads or really, I don't like selling to people who don't know me. I like to put it in, You know, targeting people who who have been to my site in the first place, I think you're less likely to have a low-quality lead there, too, like you're saying, in the middle of the funnel. The other thing you can do is you can ask open-ended questions. You can ask multiple-choice questions. Just a simple thing, like instead of just first-name, email address, doing first-name, last-name, email address, because then it actually creates a whole second step when you ask for the third thing. Additionally, there's a context card as well where you can say, okay, you're about to submit this, but just so you know, this is what you're getting. If you hit submit, and so hopefully there's no issues. And and the other thing with lead ads, I think can lead to problems. Is like I'll see people who um, run run lead ads and split test it against an ad running to a landing page. I'm like oh, it doesn't work. I'm doing it exactly the same way as I did with the one driving to a landing page. Same copy, same imagery. Clearly not as effective. Well, there's an inherent. Advantage of a landing page ad, when you drive to a landing page and you're doing more selling, maybe more clarifying about what it is that, that they're getting in exchange for registering, you have to use the lead ad image copy as your landing page because that no longer exists. So basically what can happen then with the lead ad is like, oh, sounds it sounds whatever you're teasing me with and the copy here sounds interesting. Click on the form and you're not really sure what you're getting. Um, At that point, because you don't have the landing page. So that's one of those things that uh, advertisers have to think about as well.
0: Well, really appreciate your time today. Um, But also being a fellow Cheesehead and brewer fan, I need to ask you, who was your favorite brewer growing up? Yeah,
1: so... Uh, if you were to ask me now compared to then, it's, it, I think it's tougher back then. I mean, I was a big Cecil Cooper fan. Okay. So, like, there were even signs of me, or uh, pictures of me, like, uh, about to go to a brewer game where I'm all decked out in brewer stuff, and I made this custom sign out of cardboard and stuff that says Coop on it. And so, I, it might have been him. I mean, a little bit, that was, like, to date myself. I was, like, 82. And then a little later, absolutely, you know, Paul Molitor and that hitting streak, uh, Robin Yao. I mean, Raleigh Fingers, too. During the Raleigh Fingers days, I mean, I don't think people remember how much people were obsessed with him and that mustache and everybody wearing a custom, you know, one of their own little mustaches to games and stuff. Again, you have to be like four years old or more to know that, but you know, these days, I would say it's Robin Yao, because like he was a, a lifetimer, as opposed to all three of those other guys, and uh, as far as we know, didn't take steroids as opposed to like a Ryan <laughs> Braun. And so, uh, I'm a Robin Yount guy. How about you? Okay. Uh, Well, I grew up a giant Molitor
0: fan, and I've definitely shifted to Yount over the years, uh, mainly due to uh, analytics and data, uh, telling us how much of a better player he was simply by the fact that he played shortstop and center his whole career, uh, which kind of fits into my, uh, I guess, uh, personality as a marketer and uh, fan of all things analytics.
1: No, honestly, I think it's a big part of why I do what I do now all that fantasy game stuff. Like I'm a, I'm a huge baseball stats and strategy nerd. I'm a, I'm a baseball coach for my kids and all that analytic stuff absolutely crosses over to this Facebook ad stuff too.
0: Uh, well, again, uh, John Loomer, thanks for being on today. Everyone should visit his website, johnloomer.com. Uh, anything else you want to plug today, man?
1: You know, right now I would say, you know, you talk about the quiz. I mean, the quiz is a great way to kind of understand what you know, what you don't know. And um, once you take it, I will actually kind of direct you into a free webinar that I think would be a good fit fit for you. And after that free webinar, maybe some other stuff. So if you go to johnloomer.com slash Facebook dash ads dash quiz dash all. That's a long one because I wasn't planning on giving that out here. Um, otherwise if you just go to johnloomer.com in the top menu there's a, a, a link for quiz and just click on that. Awesome, man.
0: Uh, well, I got a 21 out of 30. So uh, all listeners, you're challenged to beat me. Hey, there you go. Not many people have. <laughs> okay, great. Well, uh, great talking to you today. And I'm sure we'll be in touch.